we will ring the bell at uh, 7.45 and have an invitation following that. Um, I, I, I forgot to mention, uh, Sister Robin uh, Martin is not here tonight because she's helping some dear friends of hers. Uh, their child has been in ICU at Erlanger, uh, a Down syndrome child who had surgery, uh, just a young baby, uh, less than a year old. And she's going to be moved out into a room tonight. So uh, let's keep uh, Sister Robin and that family in our prayers as well. And let me also, uh, we don't do this much, but uh, you're aware that our daughter Holly manages the Land of Love Foundation for families that have children that have cancer. And uh, she is uh, uh, grows real close to those families. And one of them has a little boy uh, named Tater. And he is in a very, very serious condition. And it looks like Tater's cancer is going to get the best of him before long. So keep that family in your prayers as well. Thank you. In the book of Genesis, and I'll try to be close to this because I know you can't hear me unless I'm right on it. In the book of Genesis chapter 3, Three and There is a prophecy related to the coming of the Christ, the Savior of the world. Genesis 3.14, And the Lord God said unto, unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel prophecy that the Christ is coming to bruise the head of Satan to eliminate the works of Satan in effect we learn later in the book of Genesis also chapter 12 we read of the great promise that God gave to our father Abraham and let me read that as well Genesis chapter 12 Actually, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curses thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now that's the great promise that God gave Abraham that great promise that through his seed all families of the earth would be blessed. And that promise is carried out through the remainder of the Bible. And any time in the New Testament when you read about the promise, about 90% plus of those times it's talking about that great promise that God gave Abraham. And of course through his seed and that seed would be Christ. So... 
Um, and, and, and we have references in the New Testament that confirm those scriptures are talking about Christ. In the book of Galatians and the book of John also reference the great promise that was given to Abraham and uh, Satan being bruised or being said. The, the reason Christ came was to destroy the works of the Satan. So. so Christ is coming and many references in the Old Testament refer to the coming of the Savior, and the Jews were looking for that. And, of course, we know that uh, they were looking for someone that would be an earthly figure that would be pomp and ceremonious to sit on the throne of David and so forth. But that's not the way it was, as you know. So the birth of Christ is one of the things we'll talk about tonight. In the book of Luke... Uh, Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> and and you, you know these stories very well. Uh, that the angel Gabriel came and talked to Zacharias, who was a priest. And he said, Zacharias... Uh, you're going to have a son, and that son is going to pave the way for one coming after him. And, of course, uh, Gabriel's, or Zacharias' wife was Elizabeth. And it is said that Gabriel, Gabriel was an, um, Zacharias was an old man and that Elizabeth was past the flower of her age. And Zacharias said to Gabriel, How can this be? I'm an old man, and Elizabeth is past her flower and of, of age. And uh, Gabriel said, because of your unbelief, uh, I'm going to, you will not speak until this child is born. So Zacharias didn't until that child was born. And we know, in fact, he told him that his, the name of the child was going to be John. So in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through, well, 11 through 20, uh, it tells about that, situation where uh, uh, John was going to be born. Six months after Elizabeth conceived with that child, the angel uh, Gabriel uh, went to, in fact, God sent the angel Gabriel to the city of Nazareth to see Mary. And he told Mary, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and God is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she shall she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So the angel Gabriel told Elizabeth she was going to have a son, told Zacharias. And then he came to Mary and told her she was going to have a son. Uh, one was past her age to have a child. The other, Mary, was a virgin, had never known a man. But through the Holy Ghost, and the Holy uh, Ghost can, made Mary conceive with the child whose name would be Jesus. And I think that one of the most uh, soothing uh, chapters of the whole Bible is Luke chapter 2. Um, at least I think it is. Uh, you know, it's hard to say that one, one chapter is better than another in any way, and I don't mean to imply that it is, but it's just a soothing chapter. The birth of Jesus, that baby and uh, the Son of God, uh, God who became flesh and dwelt among us, yet he was a man. He was called the Son of Man, and the Son of Man for... Uh, many times he was called, and, uh, and, and we won't get into the uh, study on him being called the Son of Man, but that's a very deep and very interesting study to, to get into. But let me read Luke chapter 2, because uh, I think it is so, such, a, such a great chapter. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree... From Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into, even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds re returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. 
to me, that's just, if there was ever a time on this earth when peace reigned, I think maybe that was it. Glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill toward men. I just, just think that at that time, it was peaceful throughout the earth. The child of God was born, became a man, a little baby. And, you know, fathers uh, and mothers, when a baby is born, it's, it's just overwhelming. The, the joy that is experienced in that family and uh, to see that child that uh, they have uh, brought into the world and to see that child and anticipate the things that that child would do. You know, I, I've got to think that God felt the same way, God the Father, when that baby was born. Of course, he had had him all of that time in eternity as a, an element of the Godhead. I understand that. But this is such a special time that uh, God in the flesh has now existed in the world that he created. That baby, before he came, became a baby, created the world as we know it and everything that's in it. And as far as we know, everything that's in heaven was created by him as well. Um, but anyway, such a special time. So the child, child was born uh, in the city of Bethlehem. Well, and, and let's continue to read because uh, this, this, the remaining of this is very significant as well. Well, we won't read it, but uh, you know the story of the, the wise men. How many wise men were there? <laughs> we don't know. They were, they were wise men. Anyway, uh, they were going to see the new baby, and on their way, of course, they had gifts to bring to him. And uh, at that time, uh, the, the king of that region was uh, Herod. And he intercepted them, or they went to him and said, where is this child? And he didn't know, but when you find him, come back and tell me where he is. Well, Herod had heard the, uh, the good news that he was going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the savior of the Jewish people. And uh, Herod didn't want to have any part of that, so he, he wanted to know where he was. Well, the wise men went and found the baby, but uh, they realized something was afoul with Herod, so they didn't go back and tell him. And... Uh, and an angel appeared unto Joseph and told him to take the baby down to Egypt. Uh, and I guess he was a young child at that point, not necessarily a baby. And I don't know how old, I don't know that anyone knows how old he was when he went down to Egypt. Uh, but Joe, the, the angel told him to take the baby down to Egypt because Herod was going to uh, attempt to kill the baby, the child. So Joseph took him down there. And then King Herod passed away and died. The angel came back to Joseph and said, okay, take him back to the land of Israel. And uh, so Joseph did. When he got back, he realized that Herod's son had taken over the reign of the area. So he moved down to uh, the, uh, the city of Nazareth. And that's where Mary was from originally. That's where Gabriel met Mary, the city of Nazareth. And, uh, of course, you know, Jesus was called a Nazarene. Well, he grew up in the city of Nazareth. 
So his young childhood was in that city. And his dad was a carpenter, and he became a carpenter. And uh, at, at about age 30, and, and that's what the Bible refers to it as, about age 30. Uh, I can't see you with those glasses on, so I'm going to try this again. <laughs> Maybe I can see you and this if I, do, if I turn my head just right. But anyway, uh, at about age 30, it was time for not only Jesus but John, his cousin, to uh, uh, start uh, their earthly ministry. John's role in life was to pave the way for the Christ or Jesus, as you know. And I, I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. So John went about preaching, and John's preaching was uh, uh, for... Uh, it was a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So John's baptism was for the remission of sins. Those people living at that time, that was new to them. Uh, they were living under the Jewish law, and uh, uh, their sins were remembered uh, year after year. And, of course, the priest offered sacrifices on an annual basis for them. But John came along and baptized them unto or for the remission of sins. And uh, when Jesus uh, heard about John, of course Jesus knew about John anyway, but when, uh, when it was time for him to uh, see John, he actually went to John with his disciples to be baptized of John. In the book of Matthew, chapter 3, and starting at about verse 11, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat unto the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighted upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So here Jesus, a grown man, went to be baptized of John for the remission of sin. That's what his baptism was all about. And John said, Wait a minute. I need to be baptized of you. He said, no, suffer it to be so for it uh, to fulfill all righteousness. So the reason he was baptized was to fulfill all righteousness. And in the book of Psalm, chapter 169, verse 172, it is said that all God's commandments are righteousness. So we can conclude from that 
that it was a commandment of God through his prophet John for anyone he taught to be baptized. Jesus, obeying everything that he was supposed to obey, went to John to be baptized because it was a commandment of God. He didn't have any sin, as you know, but it was a baptism unto the remission of sins. And I don't know how that plays into his death on the cross. Uh, of course, he died there for us and took upon his body all of our sins while he was on the cross. But the bottom line is that showed a great uh, example to us that whatever commandment God says we need to do, we need to do it. Uh, Jesus did, even though it puzzles us that that was done uh, uh, in the way it was done. So anyway, uh, Psalm 160 or 119, 172. Psalm 119, 172, all God's commandments are righteousness. So he was baptized because it was a commandment of God to fulfill all righteousness. Anyway, following that, at about age 30, um, Jesus provides to us some examples in Matthew chapter 4. At the very beginning of his earthly work, he was tempted of the devil. The devil came to him and tempted him multiple times. And we won't go through all of those times because we don't have time. But the answer that Jesus gave on every one of those, it is written. It is written. So Jesus called on the word of God, which... He knew he was the word from God and provided all the words through from God to the Holy Spirit to be written. It is written. Uh, so Jesus relied on God's help in overcoming the temptations that he faced. It is written. Um, and following that event where the where Satan took him up to the mountain and tempted him all those times. Uh, in verse 17 of chapter 4 of the book of Matthew, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The job that Jesus had to do on the earth was to teach his disciples and to provide examples and specific instructions about the New Testament that would be his upon his death. He provided instructions to his, uh, to his disciples, and these instructions were, in fact, valid at the time he was on the earth, but they became the written word of the New Testament as we have them. Um, and he preached, if, if you've got a, it doesn't matter if you have a Bible with red letters or blue letters or what. Just read the New Testament, specifically the, uh, the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about what Jesus taught, about his life, the example that he had, the things that he did, what he said to his friends, what he said to alien sinners, how he reacted in certain situations is just a marvelous, marvelous example for us to try to imitate the character that he had and his response in uh, dealing with people and, again, what would become part of the law, uh, the new law, that is. 
He preached, uh, in my opinion, the greatest sermon ever preached on the Mount of Olives. He, uh, and we know that is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And, you know, it's been my experience when I deal with somebody that's extremely intelligent, they can talk to me and I can understand what they say, not because I'm as intelligent as them, because they can put things in terms that I can understand. And Jesus was the master at that. No one was more intelligent than the Christ. He was God in the flesh. He knew everything. But he could say things that we can understand, and that's part of his record in the New Testament. Things that we can understand from a person that had more intelligence and knowledge than anybody else. He was a person when he was living on this earth. Uh, he is back in heaven now with God, of course, in the spiritual realm of eternity. Uh, but uh, he was tempted in all points like we during that time of his ministry on the earth. Do you know why Jesus was born? Well, he was born to save us, right? Well, bottom line, the way he saved us, he was born to die. That was the reason he was born. He was born to die. The reason we're born, we're all going to die. We know that. We don't think about it much, probably, but we know that. That wasn't why we were born. We were born to obey God and keep his commandments. That's why we were born. But Jesus, the reason he was born was to die. Matthew chapter 17. Verses 13 through 19. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And that was talking about that. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to a certain man kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, sore waxed of often. I think I've got the wrong scripture. I do have the wrong scripture. Well, let's go to a new one. Um, the book of Hebrews is a, a very powerful book talking about the, uh, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and uh, explaining a lot of things about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in Hebrews chapter 8 and chapter 9. And I'm going to do something dangerous here. If I can read my Bible. Because the print's smaller. In Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11, but Christ being come, but being come and high priest of good things and 
of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hand, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by the, his own blood he entered in, to, in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be necessity of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is no strength at all while the, while the testator liveth. When Jesus was on the earth, he provided his testament to his disciples and his apostles. That testament, after he was dead, became effective. It, uh, his death destroyed the Old Testament and the New Testament came into effect. Um, The book of Revelation, again, his purpose for being born was to die. Revelations chapter 1, verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. It took the birth of the Christ in order for him to live to die. His purpose of being here and uh, being born was to die. And his purpose to die was to wash us in his own blood, us that have obeyed what he has asked us to obey. But he had to be a person in order to do that. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Verse, uh, starting verse 20. For what glory it is, if when we were ye be buffeted for your fault, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered, us, suffered for us, having us an leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Christ was born to die the death on the cross to allow us to be washed in that blood for forgiveness of sins. And there are many other things we could read about him, but uh, the intent of tonight's lesson was that he was born to die, to die for us. We can take examples of his life throughout the New Testament, uh, the first four books specifically, and, and other, about his uh, admonition to us. 
his warnings to us, his knowledge about the truth. He was the bread of life. The discipline that he had and the irritation that he, he was a man. You know, he, uh, he didn't smile all the time. He got angry. You know, when the money changers were in the temple, he threw them out. He was very direct with people, but also very loving with people. Uh, he didn't beat around the bush. When he said something, it was the truth and love. His relationships with people. Uh, he told us we ought to love our neighbor as herself. His example of life. He lived uh, absolutely perfectly relative to keeping the law and being sinless. He told many stories about how we should live and things to come through parables. Uh, he told us about faith. He showed to us grace. Uh, he gave us prophecies even prophecies that we can count on today. We know that there's a heaven. We know that the earth is going to end. We know that if when sin uh, approaches us, we have a promise. There's always a way out not to commit that sin. That was a promise that he gave us. Endurance. Oh, if we could endure like he endured. You know, one of the, uh, one of the just amazing things to me is when he was about to go to the cross... And uh, his, his disciples uh, were ready to defend him and not do that. And he said, don't you realize I could pray to my father and he would send ten legions of angels to keep me from doing this. He didn't have to go to the cross. That, that's just, it, it's, it's more than I can totally understand, I think. But he didn't have to do what he did. But he did it to fulfill all prophecies that were told of him throughout the Old Testament. He knew that it had to be done. That was the only way that we could obtain eternal life to go to heaven. Therefore, he did it for us. He told us how to pray. He showed us that he was uh, genero as generosity was great uh, with the miracles he performed. Most of those were to help people. Well, I guess all of them were to help people. He raised people from the dead uh, because he was uh, compassion compassionate about the families. He was a friend to many, including friend to sinners. Uh, he showed us good works, told us that we were born to do good works. And do you realize that belief is a work? Belief is a work. And he set up the memorial that we observe on the first day of every week. The memorial not to remember his birth, but the memorial to remember his death. Because that's why he came, was to die. Thank you. Is uh, everyone up from downstairs now? Okay, in the upstairs class, we've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about his birth. We've been talking about why he came. He came from heaven to this earthly realm to become a human being. He was totally a human being, yet he was God also. Being God, he had the ability to 
avoid sinning with all the temptations that he faced. He was tempted at all points like we, yet without sin. So he is our perfect example, and not only our perfect example, but our Savior. We're not perfect. We commit sin. If we say we're perfect and have no sin, we're a liar. That's what God tells us. Jesus didn't have to put on about anything because he was sinless. He is our perfect example. He is our perfect Savior. And in order for us to obtain the promises that we have been given and to have the hope, and hope is not maybe, hope in biblical terms is the expected wanting to happen what we know is going to happen. It's like faith. We can have faith that there is a heaven because he told us. We don't have to wonder about it. Faith is absolute. When we have faith, we know that it's absolute. It's not a questionable outcome. It's an an element of knowledge that we know. So he has given us that faith. He has given us that hope only if we obey. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I'm here, you shall die in your sins. He said that how should you believe without hearing and how should you hear without a preacher? So you hear the word, you believe the word, and the word is the New Testament. And we're told that we will be judged by the perfect law of liberty, and that perfect law of liberty is his law in the New Testament. It replaced the old law of the Old Testament. After we hear, after we believe, we have to repent. And uh, as Brother Preston has said, that repentance is one of the toughest things in the world because that means we've got to change. Changing people is a very difficult thing to do. Changing ourselves is a very difficult thing to do. But we have to repent, which means we change. After we repent, we have to make the good confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God before men. Then all of that doesn't save us. The last element of that, those steps of obedience is to be baptized into his death. Where we're not washed by water, certainly we get wet when we go under the water, but we're washed by his blood at that time. He remits our sins. We've forgiven our sins. We can have a home with him in heaven because he adds our name to the book of life. He adds us to his kingdom, the church. If you have all done all of those things and you have a need for public confession of sins for our prayers, please come while we stand and sing.